You're listening to Upside Down, a podcast on spirituality and culture. No topic is off limits, so join us for unscripted conversations on God's Upside Down Kingdom. Hello, welcome to episode 50 of Upside Down Podcast. Lindsay here, I will be your host for this episode, and Kayla is finally with me. I'm finally with you. Finally. Um, We're excited to be back in your earbuds. You likely noticed our extended and also unplanned break during January and most of February. Um, And before we share some really exciting news, we just kind of wanted to touch base on more of a personal note than we typically do to share kind of like why we disappeared, um, why there was a break. Um, And also, we think it's important just to slow down and be real about what goes on behind the scenes in our real lives. And it's interesting, Kayla, I was preparing for this episode and just thinking about what we were talking about and realizing like, oh, I've never shared that on the podcast. Oh, Mm. I've never shared that on the podcast. Oh, I've never shared that. And I think, you know, there's social media and we share things maybe on our personal Instagram or whatever, but you kind of... I don't know. I've kind of forgotten like, man, a lot of life has happened that we haven't actually talked about in a recorded sense. So here we are to do that. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> just just, just one or two things have happened since. It's just fine. a couple. It's just a couple. <laughs> so we are, as we do, going to just jump right in. Um, we're going to go back to January 6th, which was a big day for both of us. So, Kayla, why don't you share, um, which if you follow our podcast uh, Instagram, social media, you likely know what happened. But, Kayla, what happened on January 6th in your life? Yeah, it started off as a normal um, Sunday. And my husband's a pastor. He taught at church and it was just kind of an ordinary day. I was, you know, like we were still coming down from the New Year's craziness and holiday shenanigans. And I was taking down Christmas decorations and watching Marie Kondo. And I was like, (laughs) this is going to be a great 2019. Everything's wonderful. And then um, our daughter, Eliza, who turned three in December and She's a beautiful little girl who um, has Down syndrome and has some other special needs. And she was flaming hot. Like, you know how you just touch your hand to the forehead and you just know as a parent. And she was just hot. And she was acting kind of lethargic. And, of course, this is at about dinner time. And um, so I called kind of the nurse on call. I was like, man, she's really hot. I took her temperature. She had a temperature over 104 and um, it just wasn't normal. And so Mm -hmm. I, I got her ready to go. And honestly, I packed a bag because I just had a feeling that we were going to be staying. Um, I Mm -hmm. thought we were going to be staying a night (laughs) Um, and I had no idea what would happen next. So we got to the emergency room and my husband stayed with our three boys um, who are two, five and eight. And, you know, I thought, well, I'll probably see you tomorrow. Like, well, she might need some fluids or something and we'll come home. And I got her in and the kind of triage area checked her vitals and they thought that the pulse ox machine was broken. Um, and I didn't know anything about these numbers. And apparently it was 
so low that they rushed us into another room and then things started happening. And I was just standing there in my winter coat and like 20 people came into the room and started like, um, emergency working on my daughter and giving her Mm -hmm. oxygen and putting all these IVs in and yelling things. And I had no idea what was going on. Um, and we found out she had pneumonia and we, you know, got checked into her normal room. She was doing pretty well on oxygen and we ended up spending a couple days on the general floor. And then a couple days in, she took um, a really bad turn. She had like double pneumonia in both lungs and she just wasn't able to be breathing on the regular oxygen. Um, we learned there's lots of levels of oxygen, which I had no idea. Um, and in the middle of the night, I got um, texts from my husband. We traded every other night and he said, we're going to the ICU. And that's mm. when things took a really big turn. Um, and we, you know, we still had three young children that were taking care of at home and we were switching on and off. So she was never alone. Um, and once she got to the ICU, the the next level of oxygen didn't work and the next didn't work. And then we watched them um, get ready to intubate her. And she went on a ventilator. Um, And then it just got worse from there. And she had to go on something called an oscillator, which pushed the the air in and out of her lungs because her body was shutting down. Um, And I don't, I talking about it, but I feel like I'm not even, I haven't even got to a point where I'm processing. Um, and you would think that would be the end of the, of the story, (laughs) um, (laughs) that that then it had to get better and it actually got worse. (laughs) Um, got a lot worse and she, they were trying to get her off the oscillator and they just couldn't, and weeks were going by and we were just going back and forth from at home and, Um, My mom would drive down over the weekends to at least help with the kids, but um, it was just really hard. And then they were trying to get her to stop relying on the oscillator. Um, Mm -hmm. They almost had to put her on lung bypass and transfer her to a different hospital. Um, And then when they were trying to see if she could go off the oscillator, she um, essentially went into septic shock and um, almost died. And my husband was there and I was on the phone with him, like hearing it all happen. And I, I don't even know like how to explain. Um, Mm -hmm. That's something I would never wish on anybody ever in their whole life um, to just not have any control. And like, we say that all the time as Christians, like, we're not in control, but like, I didn't believe, like, I realized how much I still thought I was in control. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's in that moment where I'm (laughs) give the kids, like, I don't even know what on the table and like ran to the bedroom. And I just thought if something happens to Eliza, can I still believe like, where, where am I in all of this? Like, I don't even know. And, um, the good news <laughs> is that she she did get better, and that was actually a turning point. And the doctor um, that was on call happened to be a pulmonologist, which is a lung doctor, and he was the ICU doctor at that time. Um, 
that was like in charge of her care in general. And he knew exactly what to do. And yeah, my husband <laughs> gave him a hug and, and the doctor oh even said, praise Jesus. And I was like, yeah. <laughs> um, and then wow. she started to gradually get better, but um, it, and she still has a, a journey ahead of her, but she came home without any oxygen. Um, which is amazing. Like she's just breathing mm-hmm. air and I didn't know if she would ever breathe again. And, um, she's has a lot of healing left to go, but that took over my whole life for January into February. And it'll probably take me all of 2019, if not longer to really work through, um, yeah. just the trauma, the secondary trauma that comes from experiencing something like that. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's the informational stuff. And there was a lot um, of spiritual things that happened that um, mm-hmm. I haven't, I hope to maybe share, you know, just as conversations go on the podcast as we go into this season, because um, I did experience things in a new way and God in a way that I had never experienced um, before and through um God's people as well in some really amazing and mm-hmm. profound ways. And that I realized how much um, we need, we need each other and we need community mm-hmm. because life is really, really, really hard. Um, and sometimes it's harder than others, but we just need each other. So. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that story. I wonder um you kind of ended on that note of, you know, how we need each other. And I wonder if you could share the story of what, what the nurse suggested you put up in Eliza's hospital room and then what you put up instead and kind of how, how that encouraged you. Yeah. So they asked, um, when we were kind of getting settled in, um, the PICU, the pediatric ICU, a nurse said, well, you could, you could bring some, some pictures in and, you know, then we know what she looks like. And I was mortified because at that point I thought, well, we're leaving the ICU in like a day, right? Like <laughs> She had a little more insight um, into probably what was actually mm-hmm. going to happen, but you know, it was just kind of working through that. Um, but I did have the idea to, um, and Johnny d- did as well. I don't remember who had it. I honestly don't remember a lot of that whole time. It all just kind of blurred together yeah. as like one blob of day. <laughs> but we we knew that there were a lot of people supporting us. And it would be cool to um, just put out a call and say, if you're praying for Eliza, you know, whatever your faith background is. And I had Muslim friends and Christian friends and even friends who don't really ascribe to a certain belief system, but felt passionately about, you know, just thinking of Eliza and praying for her in the the way that they know how to pray um, from all around the country. And I knew I had some friends in a global way, um, but I never would have thought the people that started rolling in and comments and DMs um, was every, I think every continent except Antarctica. <laughs> um, Which no one lives yeah. there. So, I mean. <laughs> the penguins did not come through, but no, we, um, it was, it was really incredible and led to so many um, really incredible conversations in the hospital room. 
Um, we, mm-hmm. we had a big map yeah. and we just put gold stars and honestly, we ran out of stars because <laughs> we ran out of room. Oh, wow. Um, and the star little packet had like thousands of stars. And then we had sticky notes for countries that just cities and countries that were outside of the U S and it was just, I think, it, yeah, I don't even have the words for it, but it just felt like, um, there were people that, we're carrying us because honestly, when you're in a situation um, that feels very hellish, I don't know, maybe it's easy mm-hmm. for other people to pray, but it was really hard, really, really hard for me to pray. Yeah. And I didn't even know what to pray. And, and I just kept thinking like, God knows my groans. Like, I don't know anything else except to cry and to like beat my fist into this plastic hospital bed. Like I don't, have anything else to give um but it's in that moment and Mm -hmm. you know these are stories for another time but um we had people that were very specifically felt um just pulled to pray um the night and the day that um eliza like had sepsis and we almost lost her Mm -hmm. um we got multiple texts and um, emails and messages saying I I felt like specifically that I needed to, to be praying for Eliza. Um, and that was really incredible because they could have had no idea that at that time, you know, what was going on. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The map that you're talking about, um, I shared on our Instagram. So people want to go check it out it's pretty impressive all of the <laughs> you can't there's like no room on the outside it's full of sticky notes um it's just a really beautiful image of what you're describing you know like knowing that you're being carried and I'm assuming people by people you don't even yeah, know yeah. or you know maybe don't even have a connection to which is just really really powerful um man that's that's a rough story but we're so glad that Eliza is home and better and you guys are all together and on a path of healing. Yeah. Amen to that, Lindsay. <laughs> and, and Lindsay, Amen. I feel like um, you were kind of also going through chaos at that same time. That was a little bit unexpected, right? Yeah. So I don't think I realized it until a few days later because it was, you know, very chaotic. I mean, more Eliza going into the hospital than what I was doing. But both of our um, things, I don't know what else to call them, things (laughs) happened on the same day or or started on the same day. And so also on January 6th, um, my family drove away from Miami for the last time. which was also unexpected uh, and somewhat traumatic and, yeah, more bitter than sweet for sure. So um, we, this is one of those things that I was realizing, I don't think I've ever shared this on the podcast, but, um, you know, part of my passion there was uh, advocating for safe housing for everyone um, in my neighborhood. And um, that was a struggle that my neighbors experienced, but it was also a struggle that my family bore as well, being in the neighborhood that we were, that was rapidly gentrifying. And so 
we lived in six different houses um, in a three-year period. Um, the first few of those were temporary, and, and we knew they were going to be temporary. And then the last three um, were not intent were not intended on being temporary. And so, you know, we were dealing with um, landlords that were borderline slumlords and slumlords lying to our faces and losing deposits and moving every 12 months or less and just a really, really difficult housing situation. Um, And so we had a three-month discernment period last fall um, and, and really left Miami pretty just broke from um, just some difficult things that had happened in our neighborhood, um, but also, you know, financially broke from moving so much and um, just really kind of verbalizing to each other and to God, like, we need a miracle. Like, we want to stay here and we're committed to this neighborhood and these people. Um, but man, like, we just need a miracle um, in order to be able to stay um, kind of on multiple different fronts. Um so really, long story short, we go away for our three-month discernment. Um, and I think getting out of a situation, um, you know, you get some distance and you can see things a little bit clearer. And so um, for me personally, getting away, I realized like, man, I think I've been like slightly depressed, you know, um, and just not really thinking clearly and sort of foggy-headed. And um, so we... We still felt committed to our neighborhood, but just realized the toll that um, the housing instability had on our family. Um, you know, it's kind of hard to couch surf when you have five kids and a yeah, dog. Yeah, I was just so. going to say, like, just for new listeners or anyone who doesn't know, you all, you have five kids. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and finding housing that that many people can fit in, even in the um city is difficult, particularly a city like Miami. So anyway, um, yeah, we just felt like, man, we are not thriving here. We're surviving, but God is really for our thriving. And so what would it look like? Is it possible for us to thrive in our neighborhood? Um, and so, you know, we spent our three months and discerning, but really we had never felt like we were going to leave. We just felt like we needed to you know, move some things around or shift some things or, or I don't know, we needed something. So we went and this is another funny thing. I don't think I ever said, but our house was in foreclosure. So we moved into a new house in May of last year. And four days after moving in, I got served a civil court summons saying that the house that you are living in, which was a rental, um, is in foreclosure because your landlord doesn't pay his mortgage. (laughs) So that had been going on. So it was, oh, I just, yeah, four days after moving in. So he obviously knew his house was in foreclosure when he signed our lease and took our deposit money. Anyway, uh, so we were thinking like, okay, we're going back to Miami. Our house is in foreclosure. We're likely going to get evicted next month. So what then? Like, what do we do then? And one of the things that my husband and I had said is our family needs stability. We can't keep moving our kids around. Um, so wherever we go, it's got to be a place we can stay. Um, so I went to Miami to look for housing um, for 24 hours. And um, it just really confirmed 
for us that God called us to our neighborhood and he didn't call us to like the city of Miami. And so we had discussed even trying to move into a different part of Miami. Um, But God was just really clear. Like I called you to the Grove, you know, Um, and there wasn't any housing in the Grove and we couldn't as a family thrive in the Grove. Um, And so we still went back because we uh, are stubborn, but also (laughs) because we, had all of our stuff there and our house was there and we loved people there. Um, But within a month of being there without my husband and I talking to each other, we both kind of looked at one another and said, God's close, you know, God's closing this door. Uh, Our time here is coming to an end. Um, And so kind of in the midst of all of that, um, a church had, sent me to Israel for a couple of weeks in the fall. And it was a group of different folks that are connected to this church and I didn't know any of them. And, um, I, you know, we're spending time getting to know each other. It's a group of 40 people. Um, and I met a guy who lived in Louisville, Kentucky, which is where my husband and I had lived before Miami. And both of us spent most of our adult lives here aside from, our time in Miami. And so um, anyway, I meet this guy and he's, he has started a nonprofit in an under-resourced community and does a lot of similar work to what we were doing in Miami as far as community development and um, providing jobs and housing and all of this really cool stuff. And so, you know, we're talking and I'm like, yeah, our house is in foreclosure and (laughs) we might get evicted next month and, you know, really fun stuff like that. And that kind of towards the end of the trip, he says to me, um, Hey, I don't know if this means anything to you, but um, one of the houses that we own, you know, they provide housing for folks in the community. I feel like God has told me to hang on to it and not rent it because there was going to be a family who was going to need a place to land and be loved on for a while. And I think that might be your family. And I was like, no, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> because we're not coming back to Louisville. Lindsay, you we're should going also back say that, like, when you first um, found out about this trip, you were kind of like, "Oh, I don't know, should I go?" Like, so it kind of feels yeah. like a miracle that you were even there yeah. in the first place. It's true. I actually just got the invi- the email that was like, "Hey, we do this thing. We take people to Israel," and I was like, and I deleted it. Like, I just was like, "Nope, not my life, not happening." And then my husband was like, "I think you should go to Israel." So yeah, that's a good. The fact that I was there in the first place was not my own doing for sure. So yeah, but at the time I was like, no, we're not coming back to Louisville. That's not like we're going back to Miami. Um, But yeah, there were, it's interesting because there were these practical things like housing stability um, and, you know, kind of like parallel to that, our neighborhood was rapidly gentrifying and the cost of living was rising and the people that we moved there to live among were being displaced. So that was, those two things are obviously connected and very practical, but there was also this spiritual side. Um, and I had been studying Ignatian discernment practices. And one of the things that he had said to kind of like, if you're in a season of discernment, one of the things that can be helpful is to pay attention to timely senses of restlessness, like timely moments of restlessness. So 
And I, when I read that, like at the end of the summer, I was like, what? What does that even mean? This doesn't make any sense. But then I had those moments um, once we kind of got back to Miami or once we were in the process, like I got an email from the lawyer who was suing our landlord to take his house that saying, you know, oh, he he paid his mortgage. You're, you're not going to get evicted. And I expected like if and when that email came that I would feel peace. But instead, I had this timely sense of restlessness, like, whoa, now I have to deal with him for longer. Now I have to, you know, go back to my house that doesn't have hot water in the kitchen. Now I have to, you know, whatever. And there were several of those, like this, these moments of restlessness where I sh- expected to feel peace. Um, so that was kind of like the spiritual... Um, underpinning to us coming to the conclusion that our time in Miami was closing. Um, And God was just really, I think, gracious to us in bringing us to that conclusion because it very much feels like the death of a dream um, for my entire family. And so God just was really clear um, and gave us the time, like we were able to go back and be there for a couple more months and to communicate with people and explain why we were leaving. Um, and, you know, I have a lot of um, mixed feelings about making the choice to leave because on one hand you could say we were pushed out or you could say maybe we were displaced, but we also have to have the ability to make choices that our neighbors didn't have um, or don't have. And so, I mean, that is something I am still kind of like what you said with your experience in the hospital, although very different, but just still working through like, I want to live in solidarity with the poor, but the reality is I still have the ability to make choices and I have, I had an exit route, right. To get out of this situation. And I took it. Um, and so I think initially I really questioned, like, are we leaving? Cause it's just too hard. Like, are we being wimps? Like, should we just tough it up should I mean my husband and I talked about all kinds of options like should one of us get a second job should we um I don't know like (laughs) we don't really have like assets to sell but like is there a way to generate more income so that this is doable or like what if we owned our own house like if we owned a house would that be a would this be a possibility or and there was just no scenario that added up to our thriving in our neighborhood and what I came to understand is there's a difference between something being really, really hard and pushing through and um, relying on God and relying on his people and making the world a more livable planet versus, no, that's actually not healthy. And what it came down to for us was continuing to stay was not healthy. Um, And God wants us to be healthy, you know, and he wants us to thrive. And at the end of the day, um, there was a door open and we felt like that's what he was, you know, what he was leading us towards. The really scary thing uh, is we don't know what's next and we don't know why we're here. And 
So there's still a lot of unanswered questions and, um, (laughs) you know, counseling to be had and uh, prayer and all of that. Um, But yeah, that's, that's what's been going on with us since the end of last year, the beginning of this year. Yeah. It just feels like we're both kind of, we made it over this hill (laughs) and now we like, don't know. We're looking in the, we're on the summit and looking out into the horizon and we're not quite sure what is happening next, but I feel like that does Mm -hmm. transition us well into what's going on in the upside down podcast world because we do kind of know what's happening next at least in this little corner and this little small sliver of our lives so Lindsay, what is so um exciting about what we have to talk about today yeah we do well so i don't even know when if we we definitely talked about it we um put out the call for a new co-host. So we put out the call for co-host someone else to join us so that we could continue having these conversations and adding different perspectives. Um, And we're blown away by all of the amazing people who apply. Yeah. Like stop. Like incredible. Yeah. Just the quality of people who wanted to be a part of this project was really amazing and encouraging. Um, But unfortunately, it'd be really hard to have a podcast with 20 um, hosts. So we did have to narrow it down. And we have a couple of ladies that we are super excited to have with us. I kind of feel like a kid and I'm like hiding a puppy dog in the bathtub (laughs) right now because they've been on the call the whole time. And we're like, don't come out, don't come out. So, Kayla, do you want to introduce them? Yes. So, we are so thrilled to add two new women to the table. We have always wanted Upside Down Podcasts to be conversations and to, you know, just stumble along and model what it can look like to gather people and talk about stuff, talk about hard things, talk about spirituality, um, cultural issues, things that maybe we're not hearing um, other church leaders talk about. And we are so thrilled to have two amazing women, Elisa Molina and Gina Salberto. Hello, ladies. Hello. Hi. Sorry to refer to you as the puppy <laughs> I was hiding in the I bathtub, could, but I just I felt like a giddy little kid. I kind of felt like that the whole time I was listening to you guys. <laughs> I also felt like a puppy in a bathtub. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> Perfect. Awesome. So, Gina, let's start with you. Can you tell our listeners about yourself? Sure. <laughs> I'm originally from Danbury, Connecticut. And I am Catholic. I was raised Catholic, but I actually never went to Catholic school. I went to public school until college. Um, I went to Fordham University, which is a Jesuit school in the Bronx. Um, And then after that, I spent some time abroad. I au paired in Italy and I taught English in a high school in Malaysia uh, for a year. Um, And then I moved back to the Bronx. I got a job writing. Uh, for the Dominican Sisters of Hope, so uh, cool. So a group so cool. of Catholic sisters who are who are spread throughout the U.S. <laughs> um, I'm really excited to talk a little bit more about them on this podcast because they definitely changed the way 
I just conceptualized my faith. So um, I'd always been a practicing Catholic at Fordham. I got much more involved with uh, music ministry and I led a youth group in the Bronx. And I think those kids taught me so much about faith. Um, so that was a mm-hmm. time of exploration. And then like living abroad, uh, I lived in a Muslim community in Malaysia and there actually was a tiny, tiny Catholic uh, quote unquote church. It was like a room uh, in a building. But yeah, I think working for the sisters for the past five years um, has just like transformed the way that I think about justice specifically. So, um, so that's what I do. I also do freelance writing on the side. I write about food and travel um, and I foster bulldogs. (laughs) Um, And wait, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, I foster dogs. Um, it was the very last line of her resume. <laughs> and like, I read all the things and I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I got to the bottom and I was like, yes, <laughs> she fosters dogs. Like all the other things were amazingly cool. But then I was like, oh, we're she's relatable. Like she's a real person. <laughs> yeah, oh, that's so um, weird. I like to cook. I like to host uh, people in the city a lot. And I like to travel. And um, unlike the three of you, I uh, am not married. I am single. Hey, yeah, you know so. we are so, so excited to have you, and you know, you're going to bring a lot of life to these conversations. I'm so excited. I have a question: Is it odd to not go to Catholic school if you're Catholic? I don't think so. Um, okay, you kind of specified like I never went. I'm a Catholic, but I never went yeah, to Catholic maybe. school. So I was like, oh, maybe that's a thing. I think by the time I got to Catholic University, because I went to a private school everyone had been to Catholic school and uh, like okay. working for nuns, like obviously a lot of the Catholic, the sisters like taught and attended school, but like I just interact with people all the time who like had them for elementary school. And sure. So I just feel like my world is like Catholics who went to Catholic school. Um, but gotcha. I don't know. That'd be interesting to hear from listeners actually. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah. And that's such, that's something, sorry, Lindsay. Lindsay's like I'm trying to host and I'm like and another thing (laughs) Uh, I was just gonna say that is something that we did not want to lose because Lindsay and I are not Catholic we're both Protestant and we really appreciate the ecumenical aspect of Upside Down and of our community and we really wanted to honor that and to add more perspectives so Lindsay go ahead Yes, what Kayla said. So, Gina, what do your days look like? What is what is your if we could peek out your window? What would we see? <laughs> do you mean in, into my window? I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> if peeked, yeah, if you peeked out, you would see um, a Bronx street. But yeah, so I actually am very lucky. I work mostly from home, uh, which is lovely. So that's also part of why I'm able to foster. Um, but when I'm not working from home, my office is like a 30-minute drive outside of the city. Um, it's right on the Hudson River. So sometimes I'm there. Sometimes I'm in the city for freelance meetings and other stuff. Um, I'm working with a small group of women right now to start up a mindful eating series, which is not faith-based, but like very connected to faith for me. Um and it's like brand, brand new. And I think we don't know where it's going yet, but that's something that I'm spending a bunch of time on in the city. So does that, does that answer the, the yeah. question? Yeah, <laughs> you can answer it however you want. That sounds super cool. 
Okay, so let's talk a little bit about the podcast and kind of why you applied. And I guess the first question, well, yeah, let's go with that first. Why Why did you apply to be a co-host? Yeah, I'm so excited to answer this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think what Kayla was saying about the ecumenical aspect. So I, I think that we have a lot more in common. Now, not just Catholics and Christians, by the way, but people of faith and then people of goodwill and people who care about justice. Um, I think we just have so much in common. And I think we lose um, a lot of that sometimes when we get uh, into talking about dogma or just into different faith conversations. And I love that Upside Down um, focuses on the values that we share and having really insightful conversations around those. So that was so exciting to me. Um, and I'm just really passionate about keeping that going. And I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, we're happy that you're here. Um, okay, so do you have a favorite episode? Yes, my favorite episode is um, the one about gentrification. And I played it for like everyone in my life. I played it for like my brother, my friends. Um, because a lot of people, you know, there's the growth argument, right? And like about gentrification, like you need growth in a city or growth in a place. And I think, mm-hmm. um, first of all, the the person on it was an expert and that's always helpful because I am not an expert in gentrification Mm -hmm. so I always appreciate when you guys interview um people who know so much more than me but yeah I loved it and it was so instructional for me that's awesome yeah Lindsay I was thinking about that episode when you were talking about what was going on in the Grove in Miami so if you guys are Mm -hmm. new to the podcast you should definitely go back and take a listen to that episode um I think we just called it gentrification right (laughs) pretty yeah Yeah. uh because it really is a deep dive but he explains it so well um and yeah it's just a great conversation Mm -hmm. so just a, a plug for that because I learned a lot right along with so many other people yeah so we interviewed Leroy Barber for that um, and I loved it because not only is he an expert, but he's an expert of color. Um, and I have since learned that a lot of people talking about gentrification are yes. white people. Interesting side yes. note. What aren't white people talking about? <laughs> <laughs> but like so, so relevant here in New York too with everything with Amazon that's going on. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so relevant. yeah it's a huge... It's every city. It's every city. And what I, I mean, I don't say this lightly, it's coming for all of us. Like I'm a fairly middle-class white person who got essentially displaced because I couldn't afford to live where I wanted to live anymore. You know what I mean? Like it, it, yeah. Only the people at the very, very top are safe. Okay. Sorry. (laughs) Um, Lindsay doing Lindsay things, guys. I have, I, have I feel like we can circle back to this at some point for sure. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a that's lot. That's a to bonus say. episode with um, Lindsay's. Lindsay's going off. I'm here for it. <laughs> um. So, Gina, I know that you bring a perspective to the table that's different from ours because you've kind of already said that you're different than the others at the table. You're single. You don't have kids. Um, and I'm really excited for that perspective to be brought and to hear the things that you are sharing and see differently. But I wonder if there are other things in mind that you think of as like, this is a distinct perspective that I'm bringing. Maybe just the Catholic sister thing. Um, 
I think being inspired by women who really chose to live in a way that I think is upside down, like they, you know, it was vogue to get married, obviously, in the 50s and 60s. Um, and there weren't a lot of options for women. And like, they've all told me this. And it's, it's so hard for me to imagine that like, it's really difficult for me to imagine that you can like, get married or like become a secretary or a teacher. Because um, the world I was raised in was so far advanced from that in lots of ways. But yeah, I think like just spending five years with women who really, really value community and really value the freedom of, um, you know, sharing finances and not having to um, tend to a family. I feel like I, maybe I should clarify that I'm not a nun mm-hmm. and I'm not becoming a nun, but, um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's a good, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. I think that's something that I'm always thinking about with faith. Like, you know, how can we embrace some of those values in a way that uh, that we can do without being vowed religious? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Bring it down from the right. tower. What keeps you up at night? <laughs> I also am concerned with gentrification. I was like fist, fist bumping when you were talking a minute ago. Um, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, I just justice issues in general. And maybe even more than that, again, to kind of reiterate what I said earlier, sorry, but I I really think people at faith have so much more in common. And like I was listening to um, the radio earlier and they were interviewing a guest who was a Muslim woman and she, a caller called in and was asking her some things about the way she identifies. And she was like, you know, we believe in a God who's all powerful and all knowing. And how could God or Allah in her case make a mistake with creating me? And I was like, oh my gosh, like that is like the foundation of what we all believe. But we're mm-hmm. so, I think people of different faiths are just not great at having the conversations with each other. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, that. Yeah, that's good stuff. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Okay, Elisa. Here I am. You're awesome. <laughs> You've waited <laughs> so quietly and so nope. patiently. And I feel like, Alisa, <laughs> I, feel I, like, feel like I don't know you like super, super well, but I do know that you're probably not the person at the party who's like hanging on the wall, super quiet. <laughs> yes. I feel like every person that I know well would be like, that was the, that was the feat of your lifetime. we're so proud of you (laughs) like being silent for that long girl way to go all right tell us about yourself um okay so I have five kids I am married to a great man we live right outside of Austin Texas um I have spent um I'm kind of in a really uh weird and cool transition well I'm going to say cool because maybe it's cool, but really I feel like it's really hard. I'm in this transition space where uh, I have been uh, juggling kids uh, for, you know, maybe 10 years or so. And now I, uh, my oldest is about to start high school next year and my youngest will start kindergarten. And so mm-hmm. I'm transitioning out of uh, all the kids all the time. And it went really quickly. And so... Mm. Um, I'm I'm not really excited, but I'm kind of excited uh, because God has just been really good to me. And so I I trust that whatever's next is the place where he is calling me uh, deeper 
I also work uh, part-time at my parish as an interim youth minister. I That was kind of the side gig that uh, my husband is a public school teacher. And uh, speaking of housing and all of that stuff, uh, living in mm-hmm. Austin is uh, not not cheap. And so trying to do the stay-at-home mom gig with, uh, with a, a man who the bread earner is a, is an educator. And that's something that we're both super passionate about. It was necessary for me to, to kind of have a side hustle. And, uh, my church was really cool, uh, many years ago, uh, offering me a really, really part-time position. And that position has just grown, um, as, as I've had more time and energy to put towards, towards that work. Yeah. So this might be a hard question to answer right now in the season of transition. I mean, I could certainly not answer it, but what do your days look like? And you're right. You're right. It, my days used to like <laughs> my days used to be like carbon copy, like get up uh, and feed ever. Like it was just like dated. Yeah. It was like early on, it was like looking at the clock and it was like, wow, only like four minutes passed by right then. And I have done like, it, like Groundhog yeah, Day. it's just like, when is he coming home? Anyway, so that was just for a long time. That's what, what days were. And then before I knew it, I'm here and, uh, my kids are in school. The littlest has uh, a little mom's day program that he goes to. And so I find myself with, with, with time, which has never been something that I've ever had. And so I'm starting to really um, learn how to use that time in ways that uh, grow me and uh, grow my relationships, like jumping back into intentional friendships and, uh, you know, taking care of my, like, my house isn't always a disaster, like not 100% of the time, like it used to be. So, you know, I'm, I'm learning what it is to have this, this time. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. Elisa, can you tell us why you applied to be a co-host? I actually, when the, <laughs> so, so when you guys did your like, all call or whatever. I was like, Oh, I can't like, I'm not qualified whatsoever for this. So I'm not going to apply. And then a friend, <laughs> and then a friend reached out to me. and was like, uh, you're, you should totally apply. This is right up your alley. And so then I prayed about it and I was like, okay, Jesus, well, you're really good. When I, when I put something in your, in your lap and say, is, is this, something for your glory or for mine, because I'm not so great. Like I try really hard. I'm trying really hard to be, to do things. Not, uh, I'm an extrovert. I'm a firstborn. I like attention. And so, uh, the whole, that's why uh, I love beatitude, you. <laughs> the whole, the whole like beatitude where you're supposed to be meek. I'm just like, wait, what even is that? And so, um, <laughs> and so I just was like, I, I don't want to do anything so that I have a cool Instagram post. I, yeah. I, I want mm. to work on loving people better. And if this is something that you're going to challenge me to do in that light, uh, then, then it'll work out. And if it doesn't, then, then I have other things, other places where I need to, to work. So. Sure. Yeah. I love that. So you must've felt the spirit pull you to <laughs> to apply. Yeah. 
Yeah, 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 definitely. Well, Kayla's excited. There's another extrovert with a microphone. <laughs> uh, Do you have a favorite episode? Uh, the immigration one with Salem. Mm. Yeah. Mm. I love that you said that for multiple yeah, reasons. And one of the first is that that was one of our first episodes. So that is. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, an old yeah. one. And she's incredible. She. What yeah. What uh, what did you like just, about it or why is it that your favorite? Just, I just think that upside down in general has been kind of in this space of me uh being uh learning and growing in ways that I just was so shocked by. And so she, you know, she is she is smart and she is so well spoken in that it she made it uh she made it easily able for me to understand like this jargon that was like this process that is so really complicated and difficult. Like she was just so, uh, she was so wise in, and she's so young. Uh, she's so wise Mm -hmm. in the way that she was able to communicate the information. And so, uh, you know, and being in Texas and being in the middle of um, the community that I work with at, at St. Louis and Austin, uh, it um, we have a we have a good population. I work with a good population of kids whose whose parents um, are 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 undocumented, and so uh, you know, to be able to 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 understand a little bit better was yeah, it was it was good. Mm-hmm. I was like, if this is what these ladies are going to be about, I'm all in. Gracious. <laughs> I love it. So that was episode 19 for those of you who might be newer listeners. Um, and it was Salem Afingadeh. Yes. Who I remember I had to like repeat and- that name like 10 times aloud before I got it right. And Lindsay kept correcting me. <laughs> and I'd be like, okay, like this? And you were like, no. <laughs> I think you you yeah. got it for the recording though. So, Elisa, what what perspective do you bring to the table that you think might be different from from what's already happening? Well, I think besides uh, my Catholic perspective, because I I do love I love being Catholic. I love that the Catholic Church has um, has teachings. I love that the church has Catholic social teachings and that I can go and read about, uh, solidarity or, uh, or ser- mm-hmm. ser- serving the, the, the poor or the marginalized. I, I love that, 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 that is a place where I have just grown up in. Um, but I do think outside of my Catholic faith and that perspective, uh, I think I bring, uh, like the newbie, baby walking feet into this because, um, I am very much bringing myself as a learner, which, which you guys all, you, you seem like learners, um, and and just kind of your posture is always learning, but this, it, it feels like I'm learning at such a rapid pace, things that I kind of knew, but didn't really, really know. And so it's like the scales are, consistently and constantly falling off in so many different ways that this podcast and this community is very much kind of a place where my new walking feet towards what I can do and what my role is and how, and how I should uh, 
be quiet and pass the mic in, in, in a lot of cases, there's just so much that I'm learning. And I feel like that's kind of the posture that I'm going to bring is, uh, I'm new to this, really new to this. And I, and I want to do better and I want to find out how. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I love that, that you're like, one that you're on that journey, but two that you're kind of doing it publicly now yeah. <laughs> and and willing to be like, I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm trying. And it just gives everybody like someone has to go first. Right. And then we see other people and we're like, oh, well, they're doing it so I can try or they're learning this. Maybe I, you know, it's just really helpful to have. Yeah. It just makes so, me think like you're giving it. people permission to be human. And that's what we hope to do. And this whole project and in this whole podcast. So we're just so glad that you're here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, what keeps you up at night? It changes uh, probably every couple of days. I don't know. Uh, lately, it, it used to be education. I'm, I'm really, you know, my kids, uh, we've kind of, it's very privileged to say that we've chosen to be in the public school system here where we live and that our kids feed into the schools that are quote unquote, not the best schools. And so I'm really passionate about education and um, I hope to actually be a lot more involved. Uh, Our community is very diverse and I feel like we could use, that could be a strength here in in this community if we pay attention uh, to it as a strength. Um, But Mm. I have been learning a lot of black history right now. And I think I just, I don't know. I I'm, uh, what keeps me up at night right now is that I'm just really brokenhearted. I'm brokenhearted that we don't do a very good job telling our, our real American story. And, Mm -hmm. and so right now, (laughs) that's what I'm trying to figure out, like how to do a better job telling the, uh, the real American story to my kids, uh, to the people who will listen or to myself. And so, yeah, that's where I am right now. Yeah. That's good. Thanks for sharing all that. Kayla, do you have any follow-up questions for Gina or Elisa? So many (laughs) follow-up questions. We don't even know. (laughs) I guess that's why we'll have to, you know, keep them around for a few more episodes. What do you think? (laughs) We will have to keep them around. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Speaking of upcoming episodes, we have got some exciting things planned um, that we kind of wanted to share, not in detail, but... (laughs) That was a warning, a warning for me. Not in detail. No, I don't. If there's something we're not supposed to say, I don't know what it is. So you're um, just trying to put more puppies in the bathtub. Is that what's happening right now? (laughs) Give me all the puppies. Um. Yeah, Kayla, do you want to share? Do you want to tease what's coming up? This, yeah, well, this well the, the next episode is um, something I'm really excited to listen to because it was one that, um, Lindsay, you recorded with um, a friend of ours. I don't know if we should announce that or if we should, you know, hold that close to our chest. But um, it's, no, I think, yeah, our friend Diana Ostrike, uh, amazing. She has been on two episodes and kind of in that middle time um, when I was still in the hospital and Lindsay was kind of coming out of that big move. Um, we had been planning to talk to Claire, who is the woman behind Catholic Feminist. And that's 
Claire's last name, Catholic feminist. Yes, Claire Catholic feminist is how we've been referring to her. Um, I actually so, don't know yeah. what her last name is. It's very is. long and it begins with an S. That's all I know. I think it's Swinarski. Yes. Oh, that's, yes. yep. Thank you, Claire. So, yes. Yes. Diana and I talked to Claire. Yes. Um, about the about F word. Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> So I really, yeah, I am really excited to listen to that um, and kind of unpack that. And then this, uh, we have an upcoming episode that I am really excited about uh, with Scott the Painter. And his last name is The Painter. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, <laughs> also. Yeah. But he and Justin McRoberts, and they wrote a book that I earmarked and underlined and spilled coffee on while we were in the hospital with Eliza uh, about prayer. And they are amazing, creative, Mm -hmm. um, just kingdom minded men. And we're really excited to talk with them. And um, I don't know, Lindsay, should we lay it all out or should we add a little mystery to what's happening? (laughs) Oh, man, I don't know. I don't have thoughts on that. Well, the, those are a couple, but we're also going to be talking about, um, <laughs> I don't know, because this is a working title and it actually does have a swear word in it. And I haven't decided if I feel like we should keep that or not. It was my idea. So that's why I feel responsible about it. Um, but we have a, a really incredible um, author and pastor and thinker that will be joining us. And we're also going to be talking about not just like the justice side of things, but also kind of the more like contemplative um, different ways that we experience God, which I know everybody is going to bring a lot to the table. So we're really excited for this season. Um, Yeah. So I don't know. I'm just giddy. I'm just, I'm just extroverting so hard right now. (laughs) You are. (laughs) it's been so long since we've it, we haven't recorded since November which is a, it was like a lifetime ago so it was luckily for, for Lindsay she's been be getting fun. like voxes from me all the time so she, it she really, doesn't miss my voice too much <laughs> lucky for me um yeah it, it really was a lifetime yeah. ago um so a lot has happened since then but we're we're really excited to be back and be having these conversations um for those of you listening um we have some fun stuff happening um every month we send out a newsletter as part of our thank you to our patrons on patreon um and those are like folks who give a month every month a small amount a dollar five dollars or ten dollars to just keep the um, podcast lights on and so the newsletter goes out the first Saturday of every month and it's got just a bunch of fun stuff on there as far as like what we're reading on the internet books that we're reading what we're listening to um, anything that we feel like helps us see the world through this lens of um, the way that Jesus would have walked in it or did walk in it Um, so that's available for our um, Patreon supporters and also we People have given in the past one-time gifts, so that's a possibility, too. We did have to buy another mic to add a fourth co-host to the table, um, which we were glad to do. But if you feel like that's something you want to help out with, you can also give one-time. All of that can be found on our website, which is UpsideDownPodcast.com. There's a little Give tab there you can find. Um, Another way that you can help us out is just by... um, 
sharing the word on social media. If you like the an episode, sharing that. And then also Apple Podcasts will show the podcast to more people if it has more ratings and reviews. So you can also just hop over real quick on Apple Podcasts and leave us yeah it feels like this is the kind of the little podcast that could uh we really decided to step away (laughs) from a sponsorship model um but in order to do that we are crowdfunded so really like this is a community and we are only able to pay our bills because of our awesome community so if you are um helping out with that i just want to say thank you and we need you (laughs) and it's because Mm -hmm. of what you're doing that we can keep everything free uh and we don't want to sell you stuff you don't want and don't need we don't want to just um throw more things at you we really just want this to be a space where we can talk um and have these conversations so i want to say thank you for that and also we have something special going up um to our patreon donors at any level uh for lent so keep an eye out there we're going to be doing a principal reading guide we have an awesome person in our community who's designing it uh we're really excited about it so just like a little way to say thank you and that we see you and we love you and thank you for walking this road with us thanks for listening to this episode of upside down podcast you can find us at upside down podcast.com or on instagram at upside down podcast i'm kayla craig thanks for listening